So many of you grew up or you raised children, and, and in doing so, you realize how dangerous the night can be, right? In my day and age, it's now Legos on the floor, or Shopkins, or all these little tiny pieces with sharp edges poking up, right? I heard someone mention to me that with her children, it was Jack's. And so you are very careful at night when you're walking from one location to the other, almost like moving your foot before stepping down. For you know the fear of stepping onto one of those lovely pieces and the words that then flow from your mouth due to the pain, right? This is the fear of darkness that we experience. We really don't have much other fear within that. We have lots of artificial light in our world. We light our sanctuary. We light our rooms. Our, our homes are very well lit. In fact, just recently with the, the new addition in my um, laundry room, I have five lights within the laundry room. I can see clearly the dirty laundry that is piling up before me. But in this time, we think about what this is presenting to us in this passage of scripture that God is light. And without light, it is hard to find our way. Life can be scary and it's easy to get lost without some light to show us safe channels, safe ways to go. This letter was written to some Christian people who had lost their way. They had separated themselves from the fellowship because they believed that they were righteous and living without sin. So imagine that, right? In the early days of the church, there were some who believed that they were better than others. It didn't just happen this year. It's been happening in the church for years and years. Instead of navigating with the light of God, they were on this collision course sailing in the dark. These people as well as us needed the light of God to find their way. And what's different from our time versus theirs is light was rare back then. Since their only source of light was truly the daylight or an oil lamp and oil was expensive, many relied on candlelight and even that was few and far between. So finding our way in the dark is relatively simple compared to how it related to the people in the text. However, how many of us really know what it means to live in the dark? How many of us really believe that they ever live in the dark? I want to share with you a, a story that I believe I've heard from another sermon, so this is not mine that I made up, but you know how preachers are, they'll claim them as their own. But one time there was a ship steaming in the North Atlantic. It was a dark night and the navigator spotted a light in the distance. The captain got on the radio and notified the oncoming vessel to immediately change its course. There was no reply. The light kept coming closer and the captain again radioed the oncoming light that was fast approaching. This is a U.S. Navy ship. Please alter your course immediately. Still, there was no reply. Finally, the captain got on the radio again and said, I am an aircraft carrier that is the largest vessel on the sea. Please change your course at once since I am superior to all other ships afloat. 
finally a voice came on the radio that said, I am a lighthouse, change your course immediately or be ready to sink in rocky coastal waters. (laughs) And you know, although we don't want to admit it, we sometimes act like the captain of that aircraft carrier, thinking that we are superior to others. Anytime we put others down, boast our own goodness or believe we have arrived, we too are living in darkness. If you believe you are without sin. Like the captain, we need to yield to the light of God, which can show us the way. God, in using this analogy, is like that lighthouse, giving us direction and leading us To ignore God's light is to live in the dark for God is light and in God is no darkness at all. We would rather live by this artificial light than live in the light of God. The light of self-righteousness has a tendency to blind our eyes. We become so filled with ourselves that we would see everyone else as inferior rather than walk in the light of God. We want to be constantly in the spotlight. God is showing us the way, but we have a tendency to want things our way. To walk in the light of God is to yield to God's will. When we are on a collision course, we need to change our course to stay in God's light. And it may not be to our liking, but it can save us from destruction. You see, in this passage of 1 John, it's to declare that God is light. And in him there's no darkness at all. Many Christians give this day the designation of low Sunday. And it kind of has to do with the sparse attendance typical of the week after Easter. In reality, I think it may have to do with the fact that this Sunday falls after the great Easter festival. But within that eight days of celebrating that festival, the low Sunday is the lower of the two Sundays. But there's no doubt that the crowds that gathered on low Sunday are smaller and possibly reminiscent perhaps of the disciples huddled in the upstairs room after the crucifixion and no longer the bolstered throngs of Palm Sunday. Yet on the Sunday after Easter, the faithful still join together in worship. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. To share in their gifts, to serve, and to be in fellowship with one another in Christ's name. They come, we come for a word from God. We come to experience the light of God within us. And so on this particular Sunday, our text of 1 John encourages us to declare that which is from the beginning. And it's even reminiscent of the gospel of John. In the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. That God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. The truth contained in these words is a truth that has been heard, a truth that has been seen, a truth that has been touched and now declared, offering fellowship and joy to all who read its words. It declares the word of life in Jesus Christ. 
since we are among the letter's readers. The truth, the joy, and the fellowship are for us as well. So perhaps this isn't a low Sunday after all, but a Sunday for us to come and to know that he is risen, he is risen indeed, but he is risen in the light within that we may go and share the light in a world of darkness. Christ is made present to a generation of Christians who no longer can see or hear him except by the ears and the eyes of faith. This message concerning the word of life was in the eyes of those who saw, the ears of those who heard and the hands who had touched. And it is they who have passed it down through the generations now to us This is the fellowship to which we belong, the light, the path that is before us that extends beyond the walls of the church into a world that does not always know how to receive such a message, a world that is blindly walking in the darkness, fearful of every step because the light is not within them. So we come And we declare to a world what was from the beginning. You go and you declare what you have heard. You share what you have seen. You live what you have touched in the life of Christ. And you declare to you concerning life that life is revealed. That Jesus Christ is the Lord of life. God's only son about whom we can testify in our hearts, in our lives, and in our actions to a world that is hurting. Can the world bear such a message? Yet in our joy, in our fellowship, we are called to share it. The joy of fellowship within the Father and the Son makes fellowship within the community of faith possible. The urgency found in this text in sharing the message in the real presence of God in Jesus Christ, it needs to be evident in our, in our going, in our preaching, in our life with others. It's important to remember the letter, the written words, they can be a poor substitute for declaring a message face to face. And this is the fact that the writer of 1 John understood The writer not only proclaims the gospel that has been known since the foundation of the world, but wants to convey wholeheartedly the joy of fellowship with God the Father, with God the Son, and the joy of fellowship with one another. Joy is best shared when the community comes together face to face. Do you experience the joy in this place? in your Sunday school classes where you can laugh and love. In this time of worship where you sing hymns that just fill you with joy. When you walk the halls and hear the kids running and laughing. This place is a place of joy. This place is a place of healing, of community. One of my favorite pictures of my girls is in this very room. I was here setting up for I don't know what, 
but the light was shining perfectly through that glass in the back. And since no one else was here, the girls felt freedom to run bare, never mind, it doesn't matter if anybody was here, my girls would still be barefoot running the halls. But they were up and down the center aisle and I have a picture of Addie dancing as the light comes in and Lily just sitting watching her sister and the joy in that moment that my girls feel in this place. Freedom to worship, freedom to play. I pray that you have that joy and the fellowship as the light shines in on us, but it's not just the sun. But may the light that shines in be the Son of God risen and redeeming, the Son of God uplifting us, inviting each of us into fellowship. God doesn't invite just me or just you, but God invites all into community with God and with one another. If I walk alone, then I walk in darkness. But when we walk together with God, We walk in light and joy and fellowship. This second Sunday after Easter, while our attendance may be low, it affords us the grace of fellowship with one another and the opportunity to remember the faith of those early followers who left an urgency, a legacy of proclamation, of going into the world to share the message that Christ has given to us. When we think that our lives that we can live our lives without the help of others. When we really turn the power and live in this alternate source of light, unfortunately the society which we live teaches this idea of individualism and self-reliance. But the world is not vivid before us because it's only truly vivid. We only see what God has placed before us when our eyes look with the eyes of Christ. We fail to see the hundreds of tiny lights that God provides for us in times of need. Like the lighthouse sailors, we tend to see others as a threat to our existence rather than people who can help us walk and work with us in the light of Christ. Finally, to walk in the light, to confess our sin and believing that our sins will be forgiven I believe we have misconstrued the meaning of the confession of sins. To some, it means admitting your mistakes to the pastor who acts as a mediator. In the context, confession of sin means taking ownership of our limitations, our mistakes and failures, and all other parts of our lives that keep us in the dark. God wants us to be honest about who we are and acknowledge all of our actions, both good and bad. And part of my study, the interpreter's Bible says that walking in the light is the recognition of things as they are. To confess our sin is to embrace reality. 
It means we are totally honest about our current state and therefore willing to open ourselves to the forgiveness of God. But as long as we live in the shadows, as long as we pretend, or as long as we see ourselves as perfect, not needing the light, we are failing to walk in God's light. And our text says we are deceiving ourselves. Or to put it another way, we are living in denial. There's this strange non-metallic substance in chemistry known as selenium. When placed in the dark, it serves as an insulator and electricity cannot pass through it. But as soon as light is flashed upon it, it becomes a conductor and an electric current can flow through it. To walk in the light of God is to be like a piece of selenium. If we stay in the dark and do not allow the light of Christ to shine upon us and to share the message that God has given us in the world, we become insulators, only thinking of ourselves. No current can pass through us. But as soon as we subject ourselves to God's light, as soon as we open ourselves up and let the light of Christ within, we become conductors of God's love. And as conductors, we take that message of love and that light into the world. I remember not long ago when Bill made us all sing this little light of mine. As children of God, we remember this light, this love. Is the light within you that you would take and receive the forgiveness that God offers you? Is the light within you that you find joy in the fellowship of believers? Is the light within you that you take the message that you have received, the message of salvation, of forgiveness, of redemption, of knowing God's love to a world living in darkness? This light may not be little but may it ever grow each day as we grow in our faith and our love of Christ. May God's light shine this day within you and every day that you step out in faith and serve God. Will you join me as we go to God in prayer? God, your message of light and love invites us to this place where we see Christ as the advocate, the one who intercedes for us. We see Christ as the righteous one, the atoning one in your scripture. God, but all too often we find ourselves self-deceived and liars before God. We have fooled ourselves into thinking that we are sinless. Convict us, O oh God. Free us from that sin and that self-deception that we would know your love and seek each day to be guided into your grace and your mercy. And that as we're guided into that grace, God, we take that love, that ever-glowing light within and share it with a world that needs its light a world that is in deep darkness and despair.
Guide us in this time of fellowship and this time and place of joy. But that we would extend beyond the walls what we hear this day and invite those into a place of love to experience your light. May all come to know you. Let your love, your majestic name of Jesus be heard and that heaven and earth would proclaim your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray, amen.